Hi everyone, welcome to episode 63 of this Switch Focus podcast. I am your host, not Andy Corrigan. Um, it's me, Ginny Wu, and I'm joined today by Andrew Brown. So Andy uh, is taking this week off, but I'm sure he'll be back again next week to regale us with all of his tales about playing, coincidentally, Tales of Vesperia. So we are going to cover this week the very, very, I wouldn't say controversial, but the, the most recent piece of news about Nintendo of America's president, a couple of new games, Dungeon Stars, Smite, and Aragami Shadow Edition, and um, update you on what we're going to do next week. So, yeah, let's take it away. All right, moving into our first segment, we have got the latest Switch news for you. Let's start, first of all, with, I guess, the most recent Switch update. This is Switch update 7.0.1. Not a very large update, I wouldn't say. Mostly just QOL changes, it looks like. Stability changes. And it resolves mainly an issue for people that were having trouble connecting Pokemon Let's Go to the Pokemon Go app. So if that's been a problem for you, yay, congrats, fixed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like the the Switch patch updates recently haven't been particularly significant. I think there are still a couple of things that people have been clamoring for more recently now that we've, I suppose, seen like a real influx of games onto the Switch. I think people really want those QOL changes. Folders. Yes, exactly. Folders. I know that Andrew was tweeting about it this week and I saw that and I thought, yes, we need it. Like, I think we had something ridiculous, like 32 games out one week on the Switch. And it's like, people are going to need a way to organize all these bloody titles that they're purchasing. Like, we really need a better eShop or... The ability to sort folders, just just something. Like, I mean, aside from folders, what else would you like to see, I guess, come to the Switch as part of like a patch sort of firmware update? I just want folders. Yep, fair enough. I, I've had to make a, a spreadsheet oh, gosh. that <laughs> keeps track of which SD card all my games are on. Wow, uh, yeah. If I could just have folders and i could just make a folder for each sd card i'm using that would make my life mm. a lot easier and then they could really improve the eShop as well sorting things better by genre yeah. and also sorting things better by demos and release dates and whatnot like sometimes you'll have stuff that's kind of coming out that will have no demos or some will have a demo and it's like not always consistent and just like i feel like the switch news pages for the different titles are really obscured. You know how they were they were on the huge kick whereby they would like give you items for reading the latest news yeah, about the yeah. Breath of the Wild update, like that stuff. Like it's super obscured when you turn on your switch and open it up, and it's like I just feel like those one or two items here and there, not really, you know, not enough for people to care about. I guess latest patch notes for different titles. Like they could definitely kind of arrange that stuff better. I don't know. Like I think we're long enough to the switch's lifespan that people should start looking at these QOL changes. Because, like, I, I love the Switch, obviously, but, like, there could be so much done to make it easier to use. And I don't think it's impossible at all. Whereas people are doing some really, really strange things with the Switch recently, which uh, segues very neatly into our next news item. People are out there trying to toy with the Switch, and someone's working on turning a Switch into an Android tablet, basically. Obviously, it involves modding your Switch, which we obviously cannot condone. But the Switch has had Linux ported to it. And now it's apparently having Android ported to it. And people are out there trying to do things with the Switch and trying to, to make it, I guess, functional as something else other than a Nintendo home console. So, I mean, it, it looks like the capability is there. Um, just can Nintendo do something about 
this um, folder thing on their main infrastructure, maybe? Do you do you think that this is going to become like, obviously it's not like the Wii U, which was like a complete influx of people just messing with things. And there was a huge thriving mod ecosystem um, for the Wii, which we, I don't think are going to see on the Switch because of all the anti-piracy, anti-hacking measures that Nintendo introduced super early on. But it looks like as we go on over time, people are finding workarounds like around all of this stuff. Do you think that this could be like the next Wii in terms of, I suppose, people being able to mess with it and mod things and customize their experience? I don't think so because Nintendo has kind of caught up and actually cares about internet support a little more now so i think they're watching mm. it too closely i mean it's right, it's, yeah. it's still gonna happen but it's not gonna have the mainstream success that homebrew had on wii yeah sounds about right so yeah if you've been following any of that stuff and you're interested in this these developments i mean it sounds it sounds interesting it sounds cool like worth knowing about but obviously not a nintendo sanctioned activity <laughs> All right, our next piece of news for the week, got down here in the show notes, is a bunch of Microsoft madness. So obviously we had the scale-bound rumors, which people were alternately screaming and or laughing at. Rumors that we're going to get the Xbox Game Pass available on the Switch. Um, Just a whole bunch of unconfirmed, unsubstantiated information. So I am not hugely team Xbox. In fact, uh, I would rather have never owned one um, in my life. But I, I mean, I, I, I can see, I suppose, why, why the, why this, why the hype has come about. It's been a year so far of really unexpected slash anticipated releases, and Scalebound was really anticipated. You know, Platinum Games obviously are having Astral Chain come out on the Switch as well, so people are connecting the, the very, very grayed out dots and trying to. <laughs> trying to figure out, I guess, whether or not a previous Xbox One exclusive is going to actually be a thing after its cancellation. Do you care about this, Andrew, at all? Scalebound? Do you want to see it? Are you kind of ambivalent about this happening? Scalebound was a game that I recognized existed at one point, at least in Mm. theory. That's all I knew about it. I didn't even know Platinum was making it. So, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's got dragons. Yeah. It, it looks like how to tame your dragon. So I was like, sure. <laughs> yeah. Bring it over. Whatever. Yeah. That's about all I really know about Skillbound. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, people were really excited about this. And it's like, oh, yeah, Skillbound. I, I kind of remember that game <laughs> being talked about at one point. <laughs> exactly. People, yeah. I don't know that it was really hyped out. People canceled it. And then Nia Oshimata happened. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Um, the, I don't know enough about the game to, to say if I would really care if it came to Switch or not. But, I mean, more games for the Switch? Question mark? Um, how do you feel about the Xbox Game Pass news, then? I mean, like, is there any point having an Xbox now in this day and age when pretty much every game that you can have on Xbox can be played on PC or the PlayStation 4 and now, I suppose, on the Switch? I, I don't know. It just seems like a a silly commercial move that Microsoft wouldn't want to make, but who knows? Well, I mean, if we really are heading towards a video game ecosystem where everything is multi-platform and it matters what services you have access to, not what screen you're playing it on, then I think Xbox is actually ahead of the curve there, where they're they're turning themselves into a brand instead of a console, which I I think, you know, I, I have absolutely no interest in 
streaming as a video game concept mm-hmm. and if the industry does go into all streaming in the next generation uh, i'm gonna be a permanent retro gamer but that's a that's a different thing entirely but if that is where the industry goes in a purely business sense i think xbox might be making the smart play here especially since the xbox one has been a disaster <laughs> yeah that's right and i mean i think that was what the rumor was about really that xbox one games will be playable on the switch via some cloud streaming service mm-hmm. and i mean some really cool titles like ori and the blind forest for example being on the eShop would be great like i would i would love that and also other xbox one games like halo Gears of War, like obviously they didn't mention those specifically in the rumors, but the potential is there. I mean, you know, Umbrella, Xbox One games could be bloody anything. And yeah, I don't know. I think that's a good, interesting point to consider that Xbox might now be trying to pivot towards being a brand or an experience as opposed to being just console manufacturers. But um, I mean, I guess in this day and age while we still have Xbox exclusives being advertised, I don't know how soon we're gonna get something like this coming out but it would be great if we could get those games whether we're gonna get game pass on the switch nah. i mean yeah i guess i'll pick up some stuff if it comes but i'm not like em- emotionally or financially invested in whether or not xbox does as well and or collapses um in the future uh so yeah needs to watch out for i guess yeah I, I would be more interested in if the Xbox 360 backwards compatible games oh, right, right. became yep, playable yep. on the Switch in mm. some capacity. That I yeah. would be a lot more interested in than, than Game Pass. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. It's the real classic titles there. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, more games on Switch are always a good thing. Don't really mind how they get there. But um, interesting thought to have thinking about Game Pass being on the Switch because I feel like we were broken pretty much every single barrier then. Crossplay that Sony wasn't willing to put up with. Now this. It's a brave new world for the Switch. <laughs> okay, on to our last news item. We've got Reggie retiring and Bowser becoming the new Nintendo of America president. We'll get all zero of the Bowser jokes out of the way. Just for the rest of the podcast. We won't make a single one. Just hold that image in your mind, embrace it, and set it free. So now, thank you. How, <laughs> how do we how do we feel about how do you how do we feel about this? I know a lot of people are getting very emotional about about Reggie and all he's done for Nintendo, which sounds hyperbolic when you say it like that. But really, I think iconically being you know a person of color um, headlining the Western outfit of a gigantic Japanese corporation, impressive in itself. He's always has a really, really forward thinking and just plain old good views on parts of the industry that other people have really awful views on, like Crunch, for example. He's got, you know, the whole signature Reggie presentation style, a mix of awkward and Italian mafia. Like, it's just, <laughs> he's just been a very, very iconic president for, for Nintendo of America. And I think it's going to be hard to, to think about not seeing him do any of those events anymore like we've been so used to seeing him as a fixture for what 15 years or something like some ridiculously long time yeah i think i for one i don't know if i'll be sad to see him go but it'll definitely be a big change and i wonder if this will change anything with nintendo's strategy with their sales president doug bowser now taking over yeah i mean after i've just made a a very sophisticated and insightful comment about 
the Xbox business. Uh, I don't really follow video game business news all that closely. So everything I know about Reggie is mostly from the memes. <laughs> so I'll definitely miss the memes because he was great. He, uh, yeah. I mean, right now, all of our Wii Balance boards are either in our mom's closet or on a shelf at Goodwill. Uh, but we still remember my body is ready. <laughs> so there's just so many iconic moments that he had. And uh, Andy, if he were here, I know he would mention the Diablo 3 announcement video that came out last October that was incredibly just endearingly awkward and <laughs> just how stilted and obviously scripted it was and I don't, I don't know anything about Doug Jones I don't know about his personality I don't know if he is as accomplished a businessman as Reggie fils was but also with a good sense of humor about himself you know like disintegrating journalists with his eye lasers when they ask him about Mother 3 yeah, if he if he gave a thumbs up to that, then there's there's a good guy behind that. So yeah. Doug Bowser, yeah, like I said, uh, other people might know more about him. I don't follow video game business news all that closely. He's a non-entity to me. I don't know anything about him. I don't know what his personality is like. I don't know if he's going to be as effective a face as Reggie was. But you know, like we. The guy we need to be watching right now is the guy who's uh, fronting the Nintendo Directs right now is Yoshiaki Koizumi, uh, who is mm -hmm. a huge developer. You probably don't know much about him, but like uh, Link's Awakening coming out the end of the year, it, it, the only reason Link's Awakening is as good and as memorable as it is is because of Yoshiaki Koizumi. So I'm very excited to see him taking a much more you know, public-faced for the company. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Doug Bowser... It's fun to make fun of his last name because <laughs> yeah. Bowser is running Nintendo of America now. Uh, yeah. But, you know, even if he's not as iconic as Reggie has become, then, you know, there's there's other faces to look towards. I guess we'll ignore the age-old question, which came first, Bowser or the Nintendo of America president position. Oh, well. Let's move on to the games that we played this week. Alright, so this week we played Dungeon Stars, <laughs> Smite, and Aragami Shadow Edition. Obviously, Smite is probably the one that most of you guys are going to be familiar with conceptually. The Paladins MOBA, for example. Um, Andrew gave it a spin. Um, I haven't yet. So, Andrew, what are your thoughts on Smite? A Smite is made by Hi-Rez Studios, who are the same people who made Paladins, which launched on the Switch last year last summer and you can really tell because the menus are like exactly the same all the top end stuff all the front end stuff of the game is pretty much i shouldn't say copied from paladins because smite is actually older than paladins but it's brought over from that so if you've played paladins and that will be immediately familiar to you uh it's not eerie it's very much intentional so don't be thrown off by it but whereas paladins was a team shooter uh, in kind of the breed of overwatch smite is a moba and there's already a moba that both Ginny and i played and we gave it good marks that was arena of valor mm -hmm. but yes that was good uh i didn't keep up with arena of valor though because though i i liked it mechanically there just there wasn't much personality there but smite has a lot more personality to it because it draws all of its characters from pantheons of 
mythological pantheons from across cultures from across history so you've got you know the gods you expect to see there it's got the greek gods it's got the egyptian gods it's got the norse gods but it also has it also has gods from like a chinese mythology and from japanese mythology and there's a lot of south american gods in there as well kukulkan is awesome he's a great character isn't there merlin in the game as well yeah <laughs> Uh, that, that... <laughs> I was gonna say, wait, which pantheon is that again? <laughs> They've added a lot of gods into this game now. If you're just getting into this game now, uh, you're probably gonna be overwhelmed when you go through the character list because there's 100 characters in the game now, and they've kind of started running out of gods to add in, or at least they've struggled to find, you know, relevant gods to put in there. So yeah, Merlin is in there, and King Arthur is in there now. So they started drawing from that. Arthurian mythology, which, you know, is fine, but it's kind of breaking away from its original concept to do that. And I'd actually played this before on PlayStation 4 a number of years ago, and I, I, I bounced off it, and I wasn't sure why I bounced off it. Then I kept playing this for a few hours more, and I realized why I bounced off it, because there is so much content gating in this game. This is a MOBA. It is played like a MOBA. It has the three-lane competitive gameplay with the jungles in between the lanes but yeah. you have to play for many many hours before you can actually get to that mode it otherwise it traps you in this arena mode which is this really stripped down and simplistic version of a MOBA there's also the weekly quests that you kind of expect to see in a MOBA but uh, they're weekly they're not daily which kind of surprised me especially since Paladins does have daily quests but Smite has very similar quest requirements, you know, play two matches as like a specific character class or deal a certain amount of damage, exactly what's in Paladins, but it's only weekly, which confused me. But you also have to be level five to get your first weekly quest. It takes several hours for that to happen, and you have to be level 11 to start getting your second weekly quest, so that's locked up behind it. Uh, the actual MOBA mode that people want to play when they're playing a MOBA, that's locked up behind level gating and i don't understand why it's set up this way but it is uh, <laughs> and it also has you know a battle pass and mm. lots of unlockables that you can get and it works exactly like it did in paladins so all of my criticisms from that system apply here there is a battle pass uh it's like 10 bucks but you know, if you want to get it you've got to buy the mm. points on the eShop. and hey guess what you can't just buy enough points to get the battle pass no you've got to buy more points than you actually want to get the battle pass uh, which is irritating and but then all the battle pass really unlocks for you is a lot of cosmetic stuff and it unlocks mm -hmm. like profile pictures and voice packs for your characters and loading screens things like that there's really not much of value in there i would say unless Really what you want to do when you're playing Smite is show off to other people that you're playing with how much money you've spent on this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the battle pass is really disappointing. There's really no reason to get it unless you're trying to show off. Or like I compare this battle pass or the Paladin's battle pass to the battle pass in Fortnite, which actually adds new things to do into the game. This battle pass doesn't do that. It's, it's pretty bare bones. And then it goes into this other thing that they've added since i last played where there's like these legendary quests that they've added and the one that's on now is the legend of camelot so i looked at that i was like cool okay so they've added this this thing to involve all the new characters they've added for this season 
and then I started looking at it, and I couldn't actually find anything to do. It's called The Legend of Camelot, and this is actually the fourth one of these things they've done. There's there's nothing here. It's just more stuff to buy. They call it The Legend of Camelot, but the only quest in it is to give the developers more money. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's absolutely shameless. It's completely absurd. Uh, but it, okay. this game has been running for many, many years, so they must be doing fine for themselves. But I don't want to sound too negative on this game because, you know, you don't have to spend any money on it at all. Uh, the most attractive thing I see in this to spend money on is to you can spend 30 bucks. That'll unlock every character in the game to be playable for you at all times, as well as every character that will arrive in the future. That's 30 bucks. That gets you 100 characters. That's great. I mean, that actually is something that I can understand spending money on compared to with all these cosmetic things that don't do anything but show off how rich you are. And then as a MOBA itself, uh, unlike Arena Valor, which was a a mobile game before it was ported to Switch, and you can really tell it's played with from a top-down perspective. This is actually, I think it's made with Unreal Engine, so it's uh, all played in third-person perspective. It handles really well. It's a much more attractive game to play on a console than Arena of Valor is, uh, and I, I really enjoy it as a MOBA. It's got great mechanics in it. It's got really solid uh, gameplay balance in it. There's not too much emphasis on healing in this MOBA so like if that's something you've struggled with in other MOBAs where like if you don't have a healer on your team or you always get stuck playing as the healer because nobody else will you don't have to worry about that in this because there are characters who can heal but it's not an emphasis on the competition at all okay um on, on that character design point how thematically distinct I suppose are the skills for the characters like because League in the beginning had lots of characters that weren't all that thematically distinct skill-wise. Like, is, you know, like, does Merlin perform completely differently from, I don't know, Zeus or something? Like, is there, is it just not like a reskin of skills, but like a whole kind of new skill set design that you're enjoying? Well, again, there are 100 characters, so I haven't seen even a <laughs> fraction of them in gameplay yet, but every character has seemed pretty distinct that I've either played as or played against. Like, just to name the two examples you made, Merlin can summon these two giant dragon heads that come out of the ground and actually... Awesome. Yeah, trap. they breathe fire at each other. Any player's trap between these two dragons basically get barbecued from two ends. It's pretty awesome. But Zeus can throw down uh, his shield and attract lightning to it, and it damages any player standing near it. And he can also create this giant thunderstorm in this big circular area. And any players caught in that also take damage. And then he's just got like a, a throw lightning bolt attack, which, you know, that's a pretty standard thing. Most spellcasters in games like this are just going to have some variation on the bolt attack, and that's his. So, you know, that's just comparing those two characters. But then there's like Kukulkan, who is my favorite mage character right now. Uh, basically just sends snakes at people and lights them on lightning yeah just electrocutes the heck out of them nice. i love kukulkan and actually mm -hmm. he seems really popular every every match i play somebody's playing as kukulkan yeah there's immer the frost giant who can like freeze people awesome. and he can create a frost barrier you know like an overwatch with uh with may and you can be just as annoying to your own teammates as to your enemies <laughs> with that ability. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the characters, they seem pr pretty distinct. I I've been pretty happy with the variety there. You know, if, if you don't want to spend the 30 bucks to unlock all the characters, 
every time you play a match, you earn favor and you earn followers and you get that whether you have the battle pass or not. You can earn lots of favors to unlock the gods and if you're like me and you love unlocking things mm. that'll keep you busy for a very long time 100 characters and still more coming and then you, you also earn individual followers with each god and the more followers the more matches you play the more followers your god earns and you can build up your gods to have these massive armies of followers and every god has an individual follower meter so meters to fill up yay <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah, I'm very, very critical of not Smite's Battle Pass and Unlockables, but Hyra's Studios, because the Paladins is the exact same way. Their Battle Pass is just obnoxious and worthless, but the game itself is completely free. It's a great MOBA, and if I were still playing Arena of Valor today, I would drop it like a hot rock for this. Oh wow. All right, there you go. That's like a good review. Might try it out then, even though League is like my mobile that I keep going back to. <laughs> yeah. And obviously it's one of Smite's biggest competitions, but this sounds quite interesting. Um, for me, my concern with mobile is obviously Arena Valor. I enjoyed it, but it just felt like a mobile game, and it definitely felt very wow. limited in what it could offer. This game has so much more personality than Arena Valor awesome. did. Good stuff. That's what I like to hear. And the whole character theme stuff being really distinct. And also mm -hmm. the game running really well. That really appeals to me. And obviously, things to do. I love achievable goals. There's a huge page of achievements in yes. your profile. There's You earn badges in every single match. And if you go to your profile page, you can see a total count of every single badge you've earned. So you can even nice. see your, your total assist count you've gotten in, across all okay. your matches, your total kill count. Yes. Like I said, uh, there's an obnoxious gating system in this. You have to keep playing it and picking at it. You have to play this arena sure. mode a lot. And actually, yeah. I've start I've played this arena mode so much, I've actually started to enjoy it. But <laughs> <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> yeah, but okay. Once once you get there to the actual MOBA mode, it's also fantastic. Awesome. If you're gonna play a MOBA on console, not just on Switch, you know, PS4, Xbox One, it's out on those two. This is the MOBA to play. Awesome. Good stuff. Glowing recommendation. All right. We'll save the game that Andrew and I played for last. Um, I'm going to talk briefly about Dungeon Stars, which is a cute little game which I've been playing this week, um, courtesy um, of the people from Evolve PR. And Dungeon Stars essentially um, works a lot like Super Mario Run did. <laughs> um, you're basically auto running through a level. Um, and you need to attack slash dodge slash block attacks from other things and hit things with your spells and your abilities. And after a certain point, um, once you've gone far enough in the dungeon and killed enough enemies, then it's on to the next one. Um, so it is described as a hack and slash dungeon crawler. I don't know if I would call it that per se, or if I call it a button mashing game either, because how this game works skill wise is you need to get kills to recharge your spells. Like, your abilities that do a lot of damage don't recharge over time. They recharge based on how many enemies you kill. And the way that the numbers are measured for that don't seem that consistent. Like, I'll I'll kill an enemy, I'll count as one, and I'll kill an enemy, then I might count as two. And I'm like, why? What is the difference? <laughs> um, and also enemies hit really, really hard initially. You're not really able to combat that. Like, the game says, okay, you can use these skills, but you don't get any like things like range indicators or whatnot. So you're just kind of like going, all right, I'll fire off a spell as a ranged character. Fire it off. The spell arcs gracefully. 
and plops just short of the enemy that you're trying to hit. Um, and the bad news is it's on cooldown until you kill 13 more of them. Um, by which case you have got, you've lost your main damage dealing or your biggest damage dealing ability to do damage to enemies with and to kill enemies with. So you're just kind of hitting them with a staff and they're hitting you with a giant sword. And obviously a star versus a giant sword, you know, which one's going to win out. And two minutes later, you're dead and kicked back to the start. So it feels a little bit like a game that's been designed for mobile platforms, not mm. just the graphics quality, but also just, I guess, how the game seems to run and how things are even laid out on the screen. Like three buttons at the bottom, everything's sort of within thumb's reach if you're going to be playing on a tablet, for example. It just looks and feels like it was meant to be for mobile. That being said, though, I can see the appeal. Like, it, I'm sure once you're high enough level, it'll run more like an idle, like idle clicking game, you know, like because you're just sitting there... <laughs> doing damage, soaking damage, and I can see at some point, if you really, really stick to it, you're probably going to be able to... If you stick to it, you grind away at it, and you unlock better spells for your characters, better equipment, better items. I'm sure the game opens up a lot more. But the first couple of worlds, um, with their with sort of mini-contained stages that essentially function as a way to teach you how to play the game, I found a little bit underwhelming. That being said, though, it is... Uh, it is a really cute game. The art design, I enjoy. I think it's really adorable. Um, I just don't know if it's the kind of game for me. Like, I love a good hack and slash dungeon crawler. Um, I love a good game about button mashing and, you know, bashing my head against walls and clearing items and stuff like that. But I just feel like Dungeon Stars looks great for what it's delivering, but doesn't really quite deliver mechanically on the concept. Mm. And just the whole spell recharge system... Like, it makes it too easy to waste a spell that you might need. And if the only way to get it back is to kill things, then the odds are really stacked against you um, as soon as you make him the smallest mistake, which I think is too unforgiving for a game of this concept or a game of... <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It would be a bit like, I don't know, having permadeath in Super Mario Run. Like, what is, the, <laughs> what, is the, what is the point of that? It was a good couple of hours to play with, though. Um, I'm sure I'll come back to it sometime, but I not something that I wanna I would wanna sit down and grind away at essentially. Um moving on to the big fish of the day, Aragami Shadow Edition. So for those that don't really know what Aragami is, I guess I would describe it as a stealth game, like sticks but with ninjas. Or maybe like Goldeneye but with ninjas. <laughs> it is a game whereby you play as the Aragami, obviously the name gave that away. Um, and you've been summoned by this person who was captured by an evil army that uses light-infused weapons. And basically you have to either avoid or kill your way through this evil army to find the person that summoned you and figure out what's happening. So if it sounds like a generic plot that you've heard before, you're probably right. This is not something that's like been innovated by Aragami. But I guess the main draw of this game is the stealth mechanics and the stealth tactics. Um, so Andrew, how did you feel about this stuff? I felt like the start was a bit rough Yeah. for the game and it was a bit frustrating for me to only have one skill, but I mean, how, how did you feel that the progression kind of went from there? Well, you do start off with just basically the ability to sneak around in the shadows and teleport. That's your main skill in this game is you can teleport anywhere there's a shadow covering something. I found this teleporting ability to be quite finicky and quite often didn't work for reasons that weren't all that clear 
And what's worse yeah. is I think this might be a problem exclusive to the Nintendo Switch version. Uh, the shadows are often not very dark and you can't really tell what actually is a shadow and what area is lit. Mm. And since this is a game where movement is based around shadows for the most part and your powers are fueled by standing in shadow and you can't tell if you're standing in shadow or not, that's overly simplistic. You can tell when you're standing in shadow, but you can't tell where a place you're moving into is shadow or not. And I tried comparing my gameplay footage to footage on YouTube of the Xbox One version, the shadows seemed a lot more distinct on the Xbox One version. So I think this might be a problem just a result of the porting process. Right, uh, right. Yeah. Uh, so this is probably not the best platform to play this game on in the first place. <laughs> Once you've played with your teleport ability a bit and you get a little further into the game and you will start unlocking other skills, the game gets a lot more interesting at that point. But again, the abilities are still finicky and frequently unresponsive. So even when you have more fun abilities to play with, sometimes you just feel like you kind of get screwed over. Right. And the checkpoints in this game are brutal. Yeah. You have to clear like entire regions of the map before you get to the next checkpoint. And this is a one hit kill you die one one hit you die game mm. so <laughs> it, it's pretty unforgiving it, it punishes you for things that aren't your fault and it punishes you pretty severely i feel yeah that's fair enough i had a similar problem to you um andrew with noticing the shadows for me particularly when you were playing um when you're playing sort of like nighttime maps and you're navigating like the roads and stuff a lot of the patches on the ground that I thought maybe Shadow were just, like, road detailer, like, dirt. <laughs> it wasn't mm -hmm. particularly yeah. good. And there's this one stretch in the game whereby you're, like, going down this really, really long cobblestone road towards the fortress, and it's just, like, it was a nightmare because it was just so hard for me to actually figure out what my next moves were. Like, I dispatch an enemy, look around frantically, and go, wait, is that mud or is that a shadow? <laughs> and so I found that bit awful to work with um obviously there are other maps in the game there are snowy snowy terrain grassy valley type terrain like it's not like a problem that i thought was like egregious throughout just certain parts of the game it was very difficult to to actually figure out where the shadows were as you were in motion kind of navigating the maps um and i noticed a couple of frame rate issues um, a couple <laughs> <laughs> yeah i there was definitely there was i felt that there was a response lag as well like i pressed the button and there'd be like a little mm. bit of a delay which in the stealth game is is deadly really um like andrew mentioned this is essentially a one hit ko game if you are playing on easy though um because i i thought there is no way this game is also one hit ko on easy because that would make zero sense like what else could you dumb down to make the game more simpler I was right. Uh, essentially, the enemies are just so slow on easy. Wow. Like, even once they notice you, you can actually go up to them and just dispatch them before they can actually dispatch you with their <laughs> one-hit KO. So, um, but that takes literally all the challenge out of the game. I would not recommend playing on easy on a game that is predicated basically on knowing stealth tactics. Like, it defeats the purpose of the game. I appreciate that it's there, but I really think it kind of undermines the entire mechanic that you're playing with in the game. But the option is there if you feel like it's not doing it for you. 
my main issue with the abilities was that it never really felt like I had a lot to do. They were all variations on the same. Um, apart from the stuff like, you know, throwing kunai, that was pretty cool. Or like bombs that you can, bombs that you can like detonate from afar. That was really fun. I really enjoyed those. Those were the ones I used the most. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I found that the skills that were based around like teleporting around people or like purely evasive skills, I feel like I didn't always trigger those correctly yeah. or know how to use them to their full capability. And so I find it easy to just kind of like blow my way through things than to really sort of be as stealthy as I could have been. And I really enjoy like the stick series, for example. And I really enjoy playing stuff fully stealthily, you know, shanking people in the night, really enjoy that stuff. But I just feel like the performance problems were an issue for me. And I, I didn't go and compare game footage or like see what the game looks like elsewhere, but I would assume it runs a lot smoother. I would hope that it runs a lot smoother on other consoles than on the Switch, though. I'm sure it does. Yeah, I had constant frame rate drops when I was playing this game, especially when I was using certain abilities. Like, There's a really cool ability that you can pick up that basically lets you weaponize shadows. Mm. You turn like a shadow into a dragon, and it swallows the soldier whole, mm. and it also refills one of your ability meters. Yeah, yeah. It's a pre- it's a pretty sweet ability actually, but every single time I used it, the game would hitch for like a second and then skip ahead four or five frames. Oh, yeah. Every single time I used that ability, it was it was pretty dire. <laughs> mm, yeah, um, I know that the Switch version has the Nightfall DLC, which I don't know if the other console versions yeah. have at the moment. So that's just new chapters past the original thirteen, I think. I, I guess uh, I. I was so glad to be done with the campaign. I, you just stopped. <laughs> I have no desire to, to even look at it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's all kinds of stuff to do in this game. Like there's medals you can earn for clearing the maps without being seen. There's medals that you can earn for yeah. killing everything in the map. And with how bland the game starts out and then it goes into this level of complexity that the port they've made here just isn't capable of supporting and maybe that's better on other platforms maybe it's not i can't say but i have absolutely no desire to ever touch this again fair enough yeah i clocked it as well and it is as a fan of stealth games i might just go and play a stealth game on the pc um, not a slight against the title itself, itself, I guess. I mean, conceptually, I, I actually really enjoy the mm-hmm. art style, the cel-shaded art style. I really like how everything's displayed in the game. No UI, but the cape is sort of how you track your yeah. skills. Like, everything about it aesthetically, I loved. Like, I enjoyed that stuff. The cape idea is cool, but it's been done better in other games. And in this game, uh, mm. th- they actually made the cape really responsive. It actually behaves an awful lot like fabric but you know still mm. they, they did a good job on the cape with the resources they had at their disposal but uh i often found that my cape was getting wrapped up with the sword that's strapped to your character's thigh so i couldn't actually mm, read that's right. yeah i couldn't actually read my cape a lot of the time which uh is yeah, a problem yeah. when all of your resource information is on your cape on so cape. yeah yeah, that's fair enough. I enjoyed it, but I think that I would recommend it just on a different platform, just because like when the fundamental mechanics of the thing, like teleporting, are made difficult or frustrating by what I suppose are hardware limitations for the port or whatever. Um, like the game is great idea wise. 
um i just don't know if i recommend it on the switch yeah i mean the same thing for me but i i um i i don't want to blame it on the hardware because i know the switch is capable of running this thing it's just (laughs) you you know uh, porting is not a one-to-one process there are things you have to do to make it work when you're putting it onto new hardware uh so you know i'm not castigating the terrible job on the port they did i'm just saying this is the game that the port ended up being i'm sure they did their best and their best was not representative of what a good game on this platform should look like Uh, i I will say uh if you want to play this you you know i I would completely believe this is a pretty good game on another platform but if you do want to play it on the switch just play mark of the ninja instead Uh, it came out last year uh it's the same game yeah. design philosophy it's the same plot which i found uh <laughs> eyebrow raising uh it's ten dollars cheaper uh, and it doesn't have the performance problems and actually i would think even if i were playing both games on a platform that was completely capable of running them at maximum capability i would still say mark of the ninja is a better yeah. game than this Okay, cool. There you go. Um, now we're going to move on to the stuff that we're going to play this week. Andy has mentioned he's going to be playing Tales of Vesperia and New Super Mario Brothers U. <laughs> um, Andrew, you'll be playing Tales a more as well, I assume? Yeah, I, I don't know how close I am getting to the end. Uh, this plot is kind of hard to not hard to follow just it's hard to see where it's going so i feel like it could end at any moment and i would not be surprised (laughs) and uh, there's a new uh survival game coming out next week called sky hill point and survive which looks like it might be cool so i'm gonna be checking that out too cool sounds good uh we play tales of asperia as well um trying to push my way through to get to the end because like i said i love tales games and i feel like I've, i've kind of grown on it a little bit after yeah. the the kind of like really dark and angsty tales of Berseria, this is a really nice tonal <laughs> change from all of that stuff. Like just character banter wise, everything is just really refreshing. So I'm keen on that. And um, finishing Wargroove, yeah, yeah. um, stuck on chapter six. Um, oh. Just uh, decided that I would go away and calm down and play something else. Chapter six is a nightmare, so don't don't be too frustrated with yourself. Yeah, like I said last week, I think I'm gonna start tweaking it just to get through the maps. Like as much yeah. as I, I, I like, you know, I'm not too proud to do that, and like I feel like I've enjoyed most of the game the way it's quote unquote designed or meant to be enjoyed. So no shame in that. But um, definitely Vesperia will be my main focus this coming week. So hopefully there'll be an update from all three of us next week about our progress. So um, there we go. Cool. So thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Switch Focus Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes because it will help bump our podcast up and get us noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. Um, if you want to, be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Switch Focus community where we also post links to all of our, I guess, current content and talk about everyone's really adorable pets and Nintendo-related stuff. You can also follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and find us at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. And we're going to leave links for you in the show notes, as we always do. If you want to support the show, you can also buy us a coffee, and we'll have details for that on our website and as a pin post in our Discord. You can follow us individually. Andy is at Flame Rose Toast, Andrew's at Play Critically, and I'm Ginny at Ginny Rose, and Andrew streams also at twitch.tv slash playcritically. So um, follow him on Twitter if you want to see when he's next going to stream. 
And yeah, thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate it. And we'll see you guys next week. Cool, 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 cool. All right. <clears throat>